0: In your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I, uh, when Alina and I first started dating, uh, she didn't know many Methodists. She didn't know any Methodists, actually. I think I was the first she ever met, who was like, hi, I'm a Methodist. Um, I wasn't in ministry at that time, um, but it was still, um, it was the plan of getting, getting to ministry, of going, going into ordained ministry, and she was great with that. She was excited that I was going to become a pastor, and she really supported it. We talked a lot about God, about, about heaven, about life with God, about sin, like all these complex things. Uh, and then at one point, about a year, of like soon after we were married, we were in a small group and I was doing a presentation on different denominations. And part of it is like, what are the differences between Methodists and Baptists and Presbyterians? And, um, and Alina like, told me, like, Wilson, I'm, I'm so surprised all these differences. I thought Methodists just talked about the Trinity all the time. When I realized that that was just me, I, I talk about the Trinity all the time um, because I think the Trinity is so important and so, and so great and essential and, and all the things that God does for us, all the things are because of who God is in God's self, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And on this Trinity Sunday, we are so, so grateful to, to remember and to contemplate God's nature in, as being triune. Now, for any of us, whether or not you grew up in the church or you're not a part of the church, there's usually about three responses you can make to the word Trinity. One is indifference. It's like, oh, Trinity, whatever. Um, another is confusion. Triune, what? Huh? And the third is, um, is amazement and awe. And that's what, what God is seeking for us is this amazement and awe that oftentimes we use analogies to describe the Trinity. But all of those analogies fail. Eventually. So it's one of those things you don't want to think too much about um, because eventually you're going to see, um, see the problems that, that lie in the analogies, just like you don't want to, th- you know, you want to think a lot about a live stream. Like why is the audio going in and out? And so that's something we're going to work on. Why is Why is the bandwidth not? Why are there lags? And so, okay, these are things we're going to think about a lot. And we're going to try, try and fix for next week and master, but we cannot master the nature of God. We cannot, we cannot put God into a box and say, okay, mastered next. Now I'm going to try and master snails and figure that out or something like that. So we don't, we don't try and, and, and master the nature of God. We contemplate the nature of God. We think, too, Trinity helps us to, to direct our thoughts and our lives towards who God is and away from who God is not. And so the three analogies that I, I really appreciate, um, the first one is the analogy from fire. And it comes from a verse in Hebrews, our Lord is a consuming fire. And with th- fire, you, can, you have the spark, you have the heat, and you have the light. And uh, you can't separate them. You can't separate a fire without light is not a fire. A fire without a spark is not a fire. A fire without heat is not a fire. You need all three, but they're all unique. And but you can't separate them. And so I'd like that's a helpful analogy for the Trinity. Another one is is water is is the the spring the the source the spring and the stream. The source is God the Father, the spring is God the Son, who springs forth from God the Father to us. And the stream of water is God the Spirit, flowing and giving us life. And they're all water. You can't separate them. If you take away the source, there is no spring or no stream. If you take away the stream, the source will get backed up and explode eventually. And so, but you know, you don't want to think about it too much, but it's helpful to understand that they all integrally work together and yet are can refer, be referred to unique names, but also the same name. And then the final analogy I really love is God as, as lover, as beloved, and the love between the lover and the beloved. And so this is God the Father as the lover, God the Son as the beloved, and the love between them as the Holy Spirit. I think this is most evident in the Song of Songs, but throughout scriptures we see this, that God's, and that God includes us in the love between the Father and the Son. And that's why Pentecost happened. That's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us to be included into the amazing and infinite love between the Father and the Son. And how amazing and wonderful it is for us to be a part of that relationship. Again, the Trinity is a doctrine you want to contemplate more than you want to process it. The analogies are going to fail, but they're helpful in getting us in the right direction of where God is. If you dig too much, they will fall apart. But God is Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. God is with us today. God is not just really far away. I think that is so important for us to remember that a lot of images and visions of God kind of borrow from pagan notions of like God is is on a cloud somewhere, like looking down at us, or God, you know, God is like, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. God is watching you. Um... Or, like the Texas Fight song of like, Gabriel blows his horns. Um, you know, it's like this kind of very uh, creepy, <laughs> creepy, like Orwellian state view of God that is not found in, in scriptures. God is not very far away. As a, as a theologian I like wrote, if one imagines that God is some discrete object, Visible to physics or some finite aspect of nature rather than the transcendent actuality of all things and all knowing the logically inevitable absolute. I know this is a, a, a big wordy sentence, but it's, it's very helpful. God, if you the, the point is, if you try to imagine God as something that you can define and observe, observe a, a, rather than the source of all reality, you're talking about something completely different. And our word for God is completely different. But again, like when we're confronted with the reality of God as triune, we have these three possibilities. We can either be dismissive, we can be um, confused, or we can be amazed. And that, I think, is what God is seeking for us both this day and every day. Because God is triune, the full God of all creation is with us in a deeper sense than just saying God is here. God, God is with us inside of us. Between us, because God is triune. As well, Moses did not begin his journey with a command. He began his journey in wonder. He saw the burning bush and he stopped. What is that? He changed the direction he was going. God, before God told him to go free his people, he said, Moses, take off your shoes for the place you are standing is holy ground. An act of worship. We begin in worship, and amazement, who God is. And that transforms lives. That transforms lives. If you think your life is pretty good, and if you think you've got nothing to complain about, if either the world is pretty good, you're probably going to respond to something amazing with a little benign indifference. It's like, oh, look at that burning bush. Okay, I got an appointment to make. How often do we do that? How often do we instead like stay in one place and then complain about staying in one place? And I'm not talking about sheltering in place. I'm talking about spiritually, do we stay in one place? And we're like, gosh, I wish I could grow in my faith, but I don't really want to do anything or change anything or try. Um, So it's going to be God's fault and not mine. How many times do do we blame God after we are the ones who pass burning bushes as we go by? And you know what? A burning bush in your life may be someone who needs love today, who needs good news, who needs a friend, who needs a hug or a meal or a story of hope. God may not be calling you to free the slaves like he did for Moses, but God is calling you to something new. Because God is triune, God is calling you to something new. I mean, there's there's new movements breaking forth across the world. The world doesn't know how to respond to, to the pandemic, whether there's so many people have different responses to COVID who are like, it's a, it's a hoax, it's a lie. There's the world as a, as a whole doesn't know how to respond to what happened to George Floyd, to what happened to protests and Black Lives Matter movements across the world, to people in, people in Senegal and people in Turin and people in Switzerland, all over the world, stepping forward to protest what happened in Minneapolis. There are new things happening across the world. The triune God calls us to God's self, to a life of wonder and amazement. But we have to respond and not just keep treading water. When God is calling us to something new, God is not telling us that you need to remain in the same place. Trinity means God is with us. Trinity means that Jesus can save us. But Trinity also means that you cannot stay in the same place if you have experienced God. God never meets someone and says, oh, cool, you just keep on what you're doing. Keep on doing what you're doing. Jesus never goes up to someone and is like, oh, you're a fisherman. Just keep on fishing and walks off. (laughs) He says, lay down your nets and follow me. The experience of God is is life-changing, is radical. It's not going to keep you in the same place place. So what is the change we need this day? What is the change the world needs? First, we must not begin by looking at the past, by longing and looking at how, how the church used to be, what it used to look like, what things used to be, how people used to greet each other, and all the things that used to happen, that God is doing something new this day. And the new kingdom of The new presence of God is not going to look like what happened before. But it is going to be different and fresh, full of the love between the Father and the Son through the Spirit present with us. Second, we must not be surprised when God asks us to change. To change something. If we want to take a step following following God, we can't just take one step. we got to keep on walking on that path that God is making for us. There are two sides to the coin of God being with us. The first side is is great. Like If we're ready to commit to a life of Christian perfection and letting go of all that is not love in our life, it's awesome that God is with us. But if we wanna keep on some not love, if we wanna keep on some self-destruction and some sin, if we think we should have our little little man cave of sin for ourselves and don't want God to go into that place, the presence of God is not going to be as, as comfortable It might be a little more like a refining fire than many of us are ready for because God does not want us to have those acts of self-destruction. God does not want us to have those those spaces of pride, those spaces of isolation, those spaces of, of spurning others in our world and in our community. God wants to burn those up to free us fully to love our neighbor, to free us fully to love God and God's self as Trinity. And finally, I think we should ask these three questions that have a Trinitarian structure. The first one is, what is the nature of my reality? What is the nature of your reality? And all of our realities are different. And we must understand that, that we interact with the world in a different way. And we need to begin and take the time to look at it. What is the nature of my reality? And then remember that because God is all good, God is love, God created everything from nothing. God's creation was good. And so the the structures of sin present in the world are created by man, created by by spiritual forces of wickedness. Therefore, if if they were constructed, they can be deconstructed. They can be taken apart. So we must look at what is going on in the world. Why is the world how it is? Why is sin how it is? Not that, oh, that's the way things are. Oh, boys will be boys. That's not the response that God calls us to have. It's instead, why is the world what it is? And what can we do? What can we do about it? What is God offering for us? How is the spirit in us offering an opportunity to make concrete changes? And those concrete changes may not be like God said to Moses to free the Hebrew people in Egypt, but it's going to start right where we are. Where, where is it? Who is a person in your life that you have enjoyed being isolated from? They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I don't have to interact with that person. Who's, who's the person that, you're, that you are so glad you don't have to see or kind of dreading when things kind of get a little more steam back? You're like, oh, I'm going to have to talk to them again. I'm going to have to go to that family reunion and have that conversation. It's like we start right where we are. We start with the injustices we see. We start with listening to the injustices when others speak out. And and honoring that, and respecting that, and hearing, and trying to remember that another person's reality is not your reality, and yet God is in the midst because God is triune. God is present in all of these spaces. God is with us. God is making all things new. You are forgiven, you are loved, and you are offered new life this day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.